guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. So this actually, I'm very excited about today's episode because Jim Quick is on. And if you guys don't know who Jim Quick is, he is the best in the world for brain training. And I've been following your work for many years. Your book, Limitless, is now out as an expanded edition. So there's more information, basically. It's dense. It's very dense. And what I love about you, Jim, and I was just telling you this before we started rolling, is that you're so good at giving actionable things where people can actually integrate right now into their lives. Thank you. You know, you're welcome for their memory, for their concentration, just reading. I mean, I can listen to your stuff and read your stuff for hours. Thank you. No, you're welcome. And that's why this is one podcast and I'm not just saying this and I don't tell this to anybody. I've been like, like, like heavily anticipating this episode to meet you. So thank you for being on here. It's my, it's my pleasure. Thank you to everyone who's uh, joining us and listening. I don't even know where to begin, except, I mean, of course, you always use yourself as an example, right? Because, you know, everything that you talk about, I feel you can be so helpful in every way, in every way person's life, right? Mm. Like business, personal. Well, I want to start with just overall, just the idea of limitless, right? Because, yeah. you know, I know you're about mindset and, and all the, all that. What does it mean to you to be limitless? And What's the difference between to being delusional that you can do something and, <laughs> and actually being able to do something? Yeah. Well, thank you. Limitless is not about being perfect. It's really about advancing and progressing beyond what you believe is possible. You know, And uh, part of it is a mindset. Part of it has to do with uh, motivation. Part of it has to do with the methods that we're using to get us to where we want to go. You talk a lot about mindset. I, you know, I enjoy your work. I, I, we got to share a stage recently. And last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I saw your, your, your TEDx talk a little while ago and uh, mindset, you know, overcoming self-doubt. I think people grossly underestimate what they're capable of because of the things that you've addressed, you know, fear. And it's important to be courageous. And you don't even, and it's, it was interesting in your TEDx, so you talk about, you know, the 10% and doing, you know, 10, doing things at least 10 times. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I want to just acknowledge that because... You know, when it comes to podcasts, even, you know, I have a podcast, you have a podcast. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 million podcasts, but most people, if you get to 10 episodes, then you're amongst only 3% of that 4 million. So it's not hard to win nowadays, just showing up for yourself and showing up for others. Absolutely. Know? I can't believe you actually watched it. Thank you. And because and, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm a big believer in that because I think we are our own worst enemies and yeah. we limit ourselves because we feel we can't do something. And therefore, if you think you can or can't, that's the answer. And what do you, like how in your mind, like in your work, how do you give people techniques and strategies to overcome their own limited minds? Yeah. So there's three limits there. If people feel stuck in some area of their life, maybe financially or their impact or their health or relationships, whatever, maybe their reading speed or their memory, there are three forces that keep you in that box, right? That box that you feel stuck in is three-dimensional. So the three forces that contain you are what I call your limitless model. It's uh, your mindset, your motivation, the methods. And when we go through it, like even at the event we were at together, there was somebody came to me and said, Jim, I'm glad, you know, you're here talking about memory and focus. I, you know, they're like, I just feel like I'm getting too old. You know, I'm just really not that smart. I have a horrible memory. 
And I always say, stop, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. you know, and if you fight for your limitations, they're yours. And so many people are quick to have those stories that you, you talk about that, that keep them stuck. You know, this is not possible for me. And so mindset is really the set of assumptions and attitudes you have about something. Like what are people listening? What are your set of assumptions and attitudes towards money? Because you can learn a great method on how to build a business, how to make money. But if your mindset is, I don't deserve it, or I'm not capable of it, or that's for somebody else, we're still going to be stuck in that box. Yeah. You know, because your brain is this incredible supercomputer and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at, I don't know, remembering people's names, yeah. you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. So part of a transformation is you just want to be conscious and self-aware that Let's say um, to make a change, you need to be aware that, you know, where you are right now. So I would say, you know, even adding like a little word like yet at the end, I don't have a great memory yet, just opens up more possibility, you know, for that to happen. But there are a lot of lies we buy into that somehow, you know, when people see me at events that we're at, uh, I'll do these demonstrations if there's time and I'll memorize a hundred people's names, you know, I'll have them stand up and pass around a microphone and uh, or they'll challenge me to you know, remember words or numbers and I'll do it. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I do this to really express to you what's possible because the truth is, and this is going to be hard to accept and swallow for some people, regardless of your age, your background, your career, education level, financial situation, gender, history, IQ, we all could do this for the most part. We're just not taught. You know, and There are no classes that taught you how to focus or how to how to read faster or how to improve your memory or the kind of things we focus on. Right. So I just want to remind people that you know genius is not so much born, it's really built, you know, and I know this because I grew up with severe learning challenges. I had traumatic, three traumatic brain injuries before the age of 12. I couldn't read for three years. I was labeled, you know, the boy with the broken brain. So I had all these processing issues and, you know, self-doubt and lack of confidence and, you know, all of that. So if people are struggling right now, you know, we want to offer you not only hope, but real, real help. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because yeah, like I, your whole, your story, your, or your whole story of how you had, you know, the boy with the broken brain and all that, you had such limits, you would, I would imagine such limiting beliefs about yourself. And then how did it start for you? Like, how did you break through and like, even like the world, it's actually like, you know, kind of like tell God what you want to do. They'll laugh because yeah. now you're honest, <laughs> you know, now you're basically teaching people how yeah. to learn for a living at the highest level. How are you able to overcome your limiting belief that you are not dumb, that you don't, yeah. you can do it? Like, what was the first step for you? Like, how did you even become who you became? Yeah. Okay. So I don't usually talk about this, but um, so I struggled all through school, you know, all through elementary school, middle school, junior high, high school. You know, I would work three times harder as everybody else, but I would still, you know, barely pass, you know, if I was lucky, you know, I was I almost failed, you know, high school English and all these challenges. And and it was tough when I got to, um, when I graduated high school, I was lucky to get into a local, you know, uh, state university and uh, I took all these classes and I thought being a freshman meant you can make a fresh start. So I took all these classes and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove to myself, you know, make my parents proud, you know, prove to the world I could do it. But I did worse, you know, and it was hard because I thought freshman meant I could make a fresh start. Right. And right. I was like, I don't have the money to even be here. And so I was trying to figure out how to tell my family I was going to quit school, you know, because I'm the oldest of three siblings and I wanted to be a good role model, but I had all this pressure. Um, and I just said, school is not for me. And a friend said, hey, before you decide, that's a big, you know, life choice. Why don't uh, you come home with me this weekend and just get some distance? I'm going to visit my family, that kind of thing. So I do. And the family's pretty pretty well off. And the father walks me around 
his property, you know, on the water and just asked me a simple question, which is the worst question you could ask me at the time. He says, Jim, how's school? And I just like, I don't know what it was, but I start bawling in front of this complete stranger and telling him my whole broken brain story and how it's not, I'm not smart enough. I got to quit school. I don't know. I'm so, don't know how to tell my parents because they worked so hard when they immigrated here. And, you know, I wanted to be a good role model. And uh, he's like, Jim, well, why are you in school? You know, what do you want to be, do, have, share? And I didn't have an answer because I just thought we're in school because we're supposed to go to school. And I go to answer him some of the things I'd like to do. And he says, stop. And he pulls out a notebook out of his back pocket. He tears out a few sheets and makes me write down all my answers. Basically a list of things I wanted to achieve in life, dreams, those kind of things, like a bucket list. Mm -hmm. And when I'm done, I don't know how much time went by. I start folding the sheets to put in my pocket and he rips them out of my hand, like just rapidly. And he starts looking at them. And I'm an 18-year-old, very insecure kid, and this guy's obviously, you know, pretty well off, and I'm freaking out, because I've never shared these things with anybody, right? And when he's done, he's like, Jim, you are this close to everything on this list. I'm spreading my index fingers about a foot apart. And I was like, no way, give me a 10 lifetimes, I'm not going to crack that list. And he takes his fingers and he puts them to the side of my head, meaning what's on the inside, you know, my brain is like the key that's going to help me get everything I want. And he walks me into a room of his home that I've never seen before. It is wall to wall, ceiling to floor covered in books. And, and I've never felt, I never finished a book cover to cover. And, and it's like being in a room full of snakes. Cause I'm like, kind of like very, they make me very uneasy. And he starts grabbing these snakes and handing them to me, these books. And I start looking at the titles and there are these uh, biographies of some incredible women and men in history and some very early personal growth books, like old school. And I'm dating myself. I'm in, you know, in my 50s. So it's like, you know, the power of positive thinking, thinking grow rich, how to win friends and influence people, those yeah. kind of classic mm -hmm. books. And he says, Jim, leaders are readers. You have to read one book a week. And I'm like, have you not heard all my story? I'm the horrible reader. I have all this schoolwork. When I said schoolwork, he was like, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. And I didn't realize it was a Mark Twain quote. This is like over 30 years ago. And I was like, that's, that's very inspiring, but I can't commit to doing this because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be good to my word. I just can't. And very smart man. He reaches into his pocket and he takes out my, my dream list, my, my bucket list. And he starts, this is audacity. He starts reading every single thing that I wrote down out loud. And something, Jen, about hearing your goals or dreams that you've never really articulated, but you hear it in someone else's voice, kind of incanted out into the ether, it messed with my mind and my spirit something fierce. And honestly, a lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my, for my family, you know, things they can never afford to do for themselves. And with that motivation of that purpose, I agree to read one book a week. So fast forward, I'm back at school and I have a pile of books for midterms that I have to read and then a pile of books I promise to read that I, I want to read. And I can't, I couldn't even get through pile A. So what do I do? I just, I don't have time. So I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't exercise, I don't go out with friends. I don't do anything but just, you know, live in the library. And after a couple of months, I end up exhausted. I pass out. At 2 a.m. in the morning, I fall down a flight of stairs in the library. I hit my head again, and I woke up in the hospital like two, almost two days later. And I was hooked up to all these IVs. I was very malnourished. I was down to like 117 pounds. Like I had wow. lost all this weight. I was just like wasting away. And um, I thought I died. It was the darkest time in my life because I just felt like maybe I should have died because I just wasn't, you know. And um, so like, yeah, that's why I talk a lot about mental health. But... When I woke up, the nurse came in and brought me a mug of tea 
And on it was a picture of Albert Einstein, right? The opposite of what I thought I was. But there was a quote on the mug, I'll, I'll always remember it. It said, the same level of thinking that has created your problem won't solve your problem. And it made me think like, what's my problem? Well, I have a broken brain, I'm a very slow learner. I was like, well, how do I think differently about it? And I was thinking, well, maybe I could fix my brain. Maybe I could learn how to learn better. And I put my studies aside because I wasn't making any traction on that anyway. And I started studying these books and also studying this area of learning how to learn, an area of science called meta-learning. And, um, and you know, more about brain health and speed reading mnemonics. And about 60 days into it, a light switch flipped on. And I started to understand things for the first time. You know, I started to have better focus, you know, retain information. And my grades, they, they shot up. But not only that, but my life, every area of my life got better. And with that confidence, you know, I, I couldn't help but help other people. Because, like, I feel a more obligation to do what I do because, you know, shame on us that people are struggling the way we were we struggled. And we knew something that could help them and we didn't do that. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, um, yeah, I started tutoring. And one of my very first students... She was a college freshman. She read 30 books in 30 days. Can you imagine that? Like, like Fully? Not, yeah, not skim or scan, but she read them. And I wanted to find out not how. I, I taught her how. I wanted to know why. Because most people know what to do. You know, a lot of our, a lot of listeners also, they know what to do. They probably, might, many of your listeners have probably forgotten more about personal growth and, and business or, you know, pers- you know like self-development, motivation, everything, mindset than most of their friends and family. But most people don't do what they know, right? And uh, But she did, and I wanted to find out why. And I found out that her mother was dying of terminal cancer. The doctors were giving her mom just 60 days, about two months to live. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. Yeah, I get, I can't, yeah, I get choked up even thinking about it. So I wished her luck, prayers. Six months goes by, and I don't hear from her. And then one day I get a call, and she's crying profusely, like hysterically. And when she stops, I find out they're tears of joy, that her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how or why. The doctors were calling it a miracle. But her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter, who learned it from all these books. And in that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning really is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have. We just weren't really taught how to do those things. So I've dedicated my life over the past three decades to getting this information out to the world. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, do we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're online courses or a physical product, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever or whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with their internet's best converting checkout. It's actually 36% better on average compared to any other leading commerce platform. And sell more with less efforts thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash 
hustle. That's all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash hustle now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash hustle. Have you guys tried Factor yet? Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Factor now offers loads of snack options too, and like breakfast and smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on my schedule. And when things get super hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So head to factormeals.com slash habits and hustle 50 and use code habits and hustle 50 to get 50% off. That's code habits and hustle 50 at factormeals.com slash habits and hustle 50 to get 50% off. So basically you obviously there was a purpose behind what you were doing and so that's how you started it. And then you kind of taught yourself how to learn. I mean, you read all these books on meta learning yeah. and then you basically figured out your own process, so yeah. to speak, to do it. Yeah. And I realized after doing this and we have an online academy and we have students in every country in the world, we get a lot of feedback that it's not how smart you are. It's really how are you smart? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, but there are no classes on focus or concentration or memory or any of these right. things. There's not. And now we live in a world where, I don't know. We have autonomous electric cars and spaceships that are headed to Mars, but our vehicle of choice when it comes to learning is often more like a horse and carriage, right? It hasn't changed as much as the world has changed. Yeah. I mean, especially now, like, I feel like, and I know what you're going to say, I feel like my memory is so bad. And I know you're going to say, well, if you tell yourself that, but I also think it's because we've now been conditioned to have zero ability to focus and concentrate because yeah. every we don't if you don't use it you lose it right yeah. like if you give me your phone number I'll put it in my phone and then if I need to find you I'll be like okay right. click or directions I'll, I'll go on MapQuest or Waze click like we're becoming lazy in our brain yeah and so we're not using it as much and therefore I don't need to doesn't require me to remember things so yeah. therefore if I met somebody new or social media like it's never like everything is so quick right right that I, don't you feel like, how do we mitigate that? Because yeah. it's not going to get any better, right? It's just going to get worse. People are still, no one's leaving social media or, right. or, or throwing away their phone. Right, right. And I, and I love technology. I'm not anti-technology. But you're right. It does, if we're too reliant on it, it's very convenient, but it can be crippling. Just like yeah. if, uh, you know, you mentioned numbers, like, I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, but it should be concerning we've lost the ability to remember one. That's right. You know, or a PIN number or a passcode or a seed phrase or the conversation we just had or something we just read or something we're going to say or someone's name or any of that, right? I believe two of the most costly words, I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs that that subscribe to you, you know, two of the most costly words sometimes in business are I forgot. 
I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot the meeting. I forgot that conversation. I forgot that name, all that. Oh, On the man. other side though, memory can make someone a lot of money, you know, meaning if you could easily remember client information, product information, give speeches without notes, sales scripts on video, without a teleprompter or names and faces, all this stuff, then, you know, you could write your own ticket and everybody has that ability, but we don't exercise it, right? Because if it, so what they call digital dementia, the high reliance on technology, it serves as an external memory device. Right. But it's the, but then you're right. Your brain is like a muscle. It's obviously an organ, but it's like a muscle. It's use it or lose it, as you said. But it's the equivalent of if I had to go, I don't know, like, you know, 10 blocks and I end up driving instead of walking. Or if, if your office is on the third or fourth floor, your apartment's there and you end up taking the elevator each time instead of walk, walking it. Exactly. You know, you're not getting the, the fitness and a lot of people are losing their mental fitness. Yeah because they're not doing doing the work. And so again, I, it's it's a balance between convenience and, you know, having your own autonomy and power also as well. So I think using your memory when you can is a wonderful way, just like when people get their their steps in, right? It's just right. like, you know, we, we're not doing the, the mental calisthenics, if you will. Right. And so you touched upon something that I was going to ask you later on, but the fitness part, right? Yeah. I feel like if I don't work out, my brain won't work as well. Right. And I do think there's a mate, and you can tell me, the connecting, the connection between physical fitness and mental fitness. Oh, yeah. Right? And that, to me, is like my, my number one tip for people who want yeah. to improve their, their focus, their energy, their memory, work out. Yeah. Because if not, like, I feel like you, because you, you get such brain fog. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a must, you know, for everybody. You know, as your body moves, your brain grooves. Yeah, literally. I love that. Thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. You got a lot of these good sayings. Yeah, I try to make them as memorable as possible. Oh, that's that's good to say. You have a ton of them. You said something else. I, you know, like a lot of it, but like you have a lot of these like things like that. The reader, leader, da da da. Like, right. They're the, great. The faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yes. knowledge today is not only power. Knowledge is profit. You know, but exercise is one of the most important things you could do for your brain health. You know, when, when you're moving, generally what's good for your heart is going to be good for your head. Right. So you're getting more blood flow. Like when we're sitting, like, you know, blood is like kind of pooling into, you know, our body and, and away from, you know, our minds. But when you when your body moves, you make more connections. You create brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, right. which is like fertilizer for neuroplasticity, for new brain cell growth. For, for, it's so important for learning. It changes your mood, which could obviously it reduces stress, helps you sleep better, and all that has an impact yeah, on right. our ability, you know, our brain and, and our, our brain's ability to perform. You know, we get blood flow, we get more oxygen to our brain. Our brain is only what about two percent of our body mass, but it, it uses like twenty percent of the fuel. It's an energy hog. But um, yeah, working out is one of the most important things you can do for your brain. For your brain. So give me a few tangible things we can well like for yeah. example like you said when you go into an audience you can memorize a hundred names and like yeah. call back like what's the process how do you yeah. make, how do you do that so uh, the no, okay i mean we, we we talk about this in our podcast and in the book but i'll give you a number of quick tips yeah that people can go through well let, let's say somebody's listening right now and they have trouble remembering names but there was like a suitcase of a million dollars cash and i know you have people all over the world listening, so whatever the equal currency would be. If you just remember the name of the next stranger you meet today, who's gonna remember that person's name? Every Everybody, right? So it had nothing to do with someone's capability. And so as a coach, I wanna call people on their BS, their, their belief systems. It had nothing to do with their potential. It had everything to do whether or not they were motivated. So just for first thing is just going back to this young lady who read 30 books in 30 days, you wanna start with a reason first, because without a reason, you won't get the result. 
A lot of people don't have a reason to remember what they read. They're, they don't have a reason to remember someone's name. Or if they do, they're not mindful of it. So even a simple, and this is so simple, overly simple that people won't do it. But even asking yourself, why do I want to remember what I'm listening to from this lecturer, you know, or what I'm reading or in this podcast, uh, how can I use this? Or even remembering someone's name. Maybe it's to, you're doing it to show the person respect, make a new friend, get a referral, make a sale, practice these things that they learn on this podcast. But if you come up with a couple of reasons, you're more likely to get the result, right? Because your brain needs, it has to go from your head to your heart to your hands because someone could visualize things and set goals and KPIs in their head, but they're not acting with their hands. Usually the thing that's missing is their heart, their emotions, yeah. right? And emotions, because we're not logical, we're, we're more biological. You think about dopamine and oxytocin, mm -hmm. serotonin, endorphins, we're this chemical feeling soup. And one of the best ways of changing our feelings is to change the questions that we're asking because it shines a spotlight on something that uh, could be more important. And so, yeah, uh, the first step I would say, I always tell people, remember mom, M-O-M, M is motivation. The O is observation, which is interesting because a lot of people aren't forgetting the name. They're just not hearing the name. Why? Because they're usually talking to themselves. They're thinking about how they're going to respond. And you can't listen to yourself and listen to somebody else. So, you know, even if you, everyone, and I encourage everyone to take notes because we're, I think we're going to end up turning this into a big master class. <laughs> um, if, you, if you were to write down or type the word listen, and then scramble the letters, it spells another word perfectly. It's a little like brain exercise. It spells the word silent, right? And it's so, you know, and it's just, just being silent and present. I remember years ago, I was a fundraiser, and I got sat at a table, and um, I was the first one there. And after I sat down, I like to be on time. So I, <laughs> I, I, I sat down, and then uh, Forrest Whitaker sat next to me. And then Richard Branson sat next to him. And then Ashton Kutcher, his twin brother, which I didn't know he had a twin brother. He's a twin brother. Yeah. And, Does he uh, look as cute as him? <laughs> they, looked, they, they looked different. They're, I think, fraternal twins. Oh. And then, um, and then uh, President Clinton sat next to me. And this is not a political thing, but it was, he remembered my name. And I was like, okay, he knew who was sitting here. Because I had met him a few years earlier, very, very briefly. And okay, and then he picks up the conversation we had a few years ago, and nobody was privy to that. And I was like, okay, no one's feeding him that information. And when he and I was like, you know, I need to know. I'm I'm a memory guy. I need to know how you're doing this. And he's telling me the story about his grandfather in Arkansas in the living room would tell stories and to the kids. And what was different is he would quiz each of the kids to see if they were paying attention. And when he's explaining this to me at a meta level, I was realizing. When he was telling it to me, I felt like I was like the only one in this room when there were, I was in a ballroom with a couple thousand people. And you ever meet somebody that yes. they're, just, they're so like there with you? Totally. Um, as opposed to, I'm going to call some people out who are listening, you know, looking over someone's shoulder, especially here in LA sometimes. Totally. You're like, who else is in the room and more important? Yeah. Um, or maybe we're guilty of that sometimes also. But so I was noticing that regardless of politics, you know, people would say Clinton is a charisma, he's a connector, he's a great connector a wonderful you know, communicator, and he's got a powerful presence. And I think his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present with people. And who could do that? We, we all could do that. That's 100% right? true. You know, we could do that with our kids. We could do that with you know, our team. We could do that with our clients also as well. And so the O in mom, the M is motivation. The O is observation, just really paying attention and being silent and listening. And then the last M in mom are, are the methods. You know, like a simple thing, like 
suave. I always tell people when they're out and they're they're out there, I think one of the most important business etiquette skills is their ability to remember names. Because how are you going to show somebody you care for their health, their business, their finances, their family, whatever it is you have to offer, if you don't care enough just to remember like them, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, you know, as the adage goes. And I would say, um, you know, when you're checking yourself in the mirror before you go out to an event, just say, I'm going to be suave. You know, the this S in suave is I like to say someone's name when I when I meet them, right? Ed, it's 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 nice to meet you, right? And I repeat it because I get to hear it twice, once from him and then once from me. And then also it's good that I because I want to if I want to be corrected, I want to be corrected up front. Because sometimes when you're at an event, it's noisy, and I don't want to have a conversation with Ed over there, you know, recording and say goodbye, Ted, right? Right. You know, like so I want so I say you know Ed, it's nice to meet you, so I get to hear it again. The U in suave is I just use it. You know, but I don't abuse it. Ed, it's really nice to meet you. Ed, what are we doing today? Ed, where should I sit? Ed, that would be an abuse, right? But using it two or three times in the conversation, you know, it works for you. It's it's kind of like a, this is like a Seinfeld episode or something. <laughs> you know, you have like the, the one, the episode where you're the close talker. Um, but it's, or the one, oh, he actually, for, he was dating somebody and he forgot, he was intimate with her and forgot her name. I remember that. That was yeah. hilarious. And it, yeah. it rhymed with a part of the female anatomy yeah. or something Genitalia, like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, so, but it's one of those things. And then they would do all these like hacks and George <laughs> would come by and he would introduce himself trying to get it or he would try to go into her, you know, her purse to get a, you know, the ID license, or license, stuff like that. Um, but this is something every, you know, because, Seinfeld's about everyday situations, and this is an everyday situation for most people. But I use it two or three times in the conversation. The A is you ask about a person's name because that's everyone's favorite subject is themselves, right? And I would say that this works especially well for names that we haven't heard before. You know, mm-hmm. if you meet someone named Ramit or Afzal or Ridiger or, or you know Nankita, I was doing a training for a big insurance company. It was a couple hundred people, and the training director's name was Nankita. And I was like, wow, that's a beautiful name. And I was like, you know, where's it from? You know, how do you spell it? And I said, what does it mean? And she paused, and she looked at her coworkers. I was like, what does it mean? She said, uh, it means graceful, falling waters. And I was like, wow, that, that's, that's beautiful. It puts an image in my mind. And then based on the audience reaction, I was like, how long have you worked here? She was like, six, seven years. Do you know a lot of people in the room? She was like, yeah, a lot of them were at my wedding. He was like, and I said, I addressed the room. I was like, how many of you knew that's what her name meant? And out of a couple hundred people, how many people raised their hand? Not, not no one. one. You know, and remember, a name is the sweetest sound to a person's ear. So ask about a name. You know, how do you spell it? Where are you from? You know, who are you named after? Are you related to this person? It's wonderful to get, you know, kind of closer to somebody's name. Remember, think about the emotion, like, that's behind a name. It's yeah. probably, one, you know, one of the first words you heard. It's probably one of the first words you learned how to write. And you're given all this love and support. So that's kind of anchored there. So a name is really special. And then finally, the V and the E in Suave. The V is a fun one. I visualize people's names. So it, this is, the idea here is make a mental picture of the name, something that sounds like it or reminds you of it. Because most of us think very visually because our visual cortex takes up the most real estate in our brain. And just like how most people are better with faces than names, mm-hmm. right? Totally. You go to someone say, I, I remember your face, but I forgot your name. Mm-hmm. You never go to someone say the opposite. You never go, I remember your name, but I forgot your face, right? <laughs> but, but there's a Chinese proverb that says, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. And what I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. I heard the name, I forgot it. Yeah. What I see, I saw the face, I remember it. And what I do, going back to the power of practice, you know, I, I understand better. And so visualize, if you tend to remember what you see, then try seeing what you want to remember. So if a person's name is Mary, for a split second, I'll imagine 
you know, she's, she's getting married or she's carrying two lambs. Like Mary had a little lamb yeah. and it's so silly, but it's and childish, but children tend to be the fastest learners. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you're just playful. You're not sharing this with Mary. Right. But if a person's name is Carol, I just imagine for a split second, you know, she's Christmas caroling. And then when I say goodbye, when I leave that event, I'll see her Christmas caroling in my mind and I'll say goodbye, Carol. Right. And cause some people do this naturally. They'll if you forget someone's name, some people, a lot of people I find start going through the alphabet. Does yeah. it start with an A? Does it start with a B? Does it start with a C? And they get very worried when, when they get to like W because <laughs> yeah. there's not many letters left. But sometimes it's like D, oh, it's David, right? right? Because that, and if a letter could spark that, you know, some a picture could definitely could. So if some person's name is Mike, I would imagine them on this microphone singing karaoke. So you visualize a lot yeah. of it. Did you know Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day? I didn't. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And in some cases, even a hundred times more polluted. And the data shows that an air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally. Wow. So then what's the solution? I'm going to introduce you to an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets all over the world, like CNN, Money, ABC, and it's called Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mite mold, and even bacteria and viruses, so your lungs don't have to. And Air Doctor purifiers also have a feature called WhisperJet that makes the fans 30% quieter than any other ordinary air purifier. And Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code HUSTLE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. And exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So lock this special offer in by going to Air Doctor, A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code HUSTLE now. I want to take a quick break from this episode to thank our sponsor, OneSkin. If you're tired of spending countless dollars on skincare that doesn't end up delivering the anti-aging results you want, I'm totally with you. And this is because too many companies market their skincare as anti-aging without any evidence or studies to prove it. But this is why I like OneSkin, because all their products are formulated with OSO1. It's the first ingredient scientifically proven to reverse skin's biological age at the molecular level. In fact, in a 12-week clinical study performed by a third party, OneSkin's OSO1 face was clinically validated to strengthen the skin barrier and improve skin health biomarkers, leading to diminished visible lines of aging. It does so by switching off sensent cells associated with aging. I've seen dramatic improvement in my skin, and the signs of aging have practically diminished, well, not completely, but you know what I mean, by using one skin. It honestly, the results have actually been pretty remarkable. So if you want to buy skincare that actually works, 
and provides you with the anti-aging benefits you're looking for, you should try OneSkin for yourself. I promise you will not be disappointed. Try it for yourself now by heading over to oneskin.co and use code HUSTLE15 for 15% off your entire order. So if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I do not mess around when it comes to anti-aging or longevity. And I absolutely love realistic things you can do every day to help support the process easily. And I've recently started taking a brand new omega-3 supplement called Green Fat. Green Fat was created by the founder of Perfect Bar, and he basically knocked it out of the park. They're all about anti-anti-aging, or as they call it, pro-aging, which of course I can definitely get behind. And it's made a big difference in my overall well-being. If you guys didn't know, healthy fats or omega-3s are key to your everyday function, and it's also known to improve your skin, your hair, your eyes, your joints, your cognitive functioning, and your cardiovascular health. And I absolutely love the fact that it's packed with five essential fatty acids, as opposed to most omega-3 supplements only have two or three. I'm telling you guys, this is a real game changer. Go to greenfat.com with the code HUSTLE20 and you'll get 20% off your order. And the best part is they offer you a money back guarantee with free shipping, meaning they'll refund every penny you paid for it if you do not feel a difference within two weeks. So you're trying it totally risk-free. So remember, go to greenfat.com and use the code HUSTLE20. And let me tell you, you will thank me later. And then the other thing I think that you kind of touched upon it, then there's this whole idea of multitasking, right? Yeah. Obviously, multitasking is like the devil because then you don't remember, you don't recall, you're not paying attention. Yeah, I, I find that when people are trying to do that, by the way, because I know people are going to comment on, on this, the E is uh, end. Oh, yeah, end. Okay, end sorry. with the comment. No, no, that's great because yeah. I was testing everybody also. Yeah. But just say end the conversation saying their name. You know, so it's so simple. Like, nice to meet you, Jim. Right. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was a real pleasure, Jennifer. Yeah. And so, but when it comes to multitasking, a big part of it is like lack of focus. When people try to multitask, they think that they're gaining time. But research shows you're actually losing time because it could take anywhere from five or 10 minutes to regain your focus, totally. you know, get into that flow. But not only that, but it also costs us mistakes. You know, it's, it's, it's well known that a lot of surgeons, when they're trying to multitask during surgery, you know, doing an operation, if they try to multitask, they're going to make more surgical errors. And it, it means it's equivalent of like text and driving. Yeah, 100%, right. Like it's exactly. like, you know, it's, it's splitting your focus. You can't do either thing very well. And then finally, the reason you don't multitask, not as it costs you time and mistakes, it costs us energy. Like when you're focused on an activity or writing a report Mm -hmm. or whatever, and then you jump to email, you're lighting up a different cognitive web. So you have to, it takes a lot of brain glucose to kind of task switch back Mm -hmm. and forth. And so we're burning that energy and people wonder why they feel like spent or they're suffering from brain fog or just mental fatigue. So is that why also, that's so interesting because like as a mom of two as well, and I'm a, I work a lot, I feel like that's the problem, right? Like my mem- I feel like my memory probably has diminished because of that whole multitask. It's not that my memory necessarily has, but because of all the things we've talked about, 
but plus I'm constantly multitasking. So I'm not paying attention to one specific thing. Yeah. So the words I forgot happen a lot. Like, Oh, I forgot to pack you this, or I forgot right, to do right. pick you up at practice. Right. right, right <laughs> a friend right. said that to me, okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like this is, this is a very helpful tool. I think for moms as well, because yeah. that, what do you do though? When life happens, right? Yeah. Because life is going to take, uh, absolutely. you know, and, and take, take, you know, take hold of this. Right. And there sometimes doesn't feel like there's enough time in a day yeah. to be able to do everything. And so because of the lack of ability to focus, yeah, yeah. we don't focus. So- yeah. And that's the other one. Like we talk about digital dementia. There's also digital distraction, mm-hmm. you know, like when we were growing up, we didn't have cell phones and social media right. and everything else like that. But every like, share, comment, cat video, you know, ring, ping, ding, all of that. <laughs> yes. It's just driving us to distraction. And part of it is, yeah. you know, we're so we're, we're flexing those distraction muscles so much throughout the day. We wonder why we can't focus in a conversation or when we're on a Zoom yep. or when we're with, you know, the kids or something like that. So I would say that you don't have focus, you do it. And so a big principle in Limitless is taking the nouns in our life and turning them into verbs meaning you don't have motivation, there's a process for motivating yourself. You don't have energy, there's a process for generating energy. You don't have a memory, there's this three-step process for remembering things. And there's also a process for focusing. And so um, just realize that when it comes to focus, a big part of it, of course, there's life conditions, right? And nobody has total focus, and nor would I think I want that all the time. Right. So laser focus, I'm not paying attention to everything else. But we always have to kind of like, just like with our vision, we have this foveal vision and we have this kind of perception, you know, like peripheral vision that we could take in more also as well. So it, it, it helps to be able to kind of fluctuate between both, you know, just be able to see something very specific micro and then expand macro yeah, yeah. in our life also. When I would say focus for me is really about filtering, you know, it's about not so much time management. I know we only have a certain amount of time in a day, 24 hours. That's the only thing that's equal from anyone watching here. Not everybody has an equal income or equal contacts or equal education, but we all have what, 86,400 seconds in a day. And what I would say is for me, it's about not time management, but priority management. Meaning the most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. You know, and so we, you know, we've heard that phrase, you don't want to major in minor things, but a lot of people get distracted because they're focusing on things that just don't matter very much, you know? And so what I would say is, you know, for me, even I work off a to-do list and also what I'll do is like when I wake up in the morning, the number one thing that most people do is they grab their device and, you know, I have a video on Facebook that has like 37 million views just saying, don't touch your phone for at least 30 minutes, right? And it's not easy. I'm not suggesting it's easy. Right. But like if the first thing you do when you wake up, you're incredibly relaxed, right? You're very susceptible and, and to suggestible to things in the environment. And if the first thing you do is pick up your device, you're, the human brain wasn't meant to kind of context switch between thousands of different pieces of data. Yeah. It just, just wasn't. And so you're, you know, you're rewiring your brain to be distracted and you wonder why you can't focus later that day. Right. The other thing you're rewiring your brain to do, if you pick up your phone first thing in the morning, not only for distraction, but reaction, meaning that, I don't know if you've ever gotten, woke up, checked the messages and you get one social media message, a voicemail message, texts, email, whatever. And it hijacks your mood for like hours Right. and it puts you on the defense. And someone who's an entrepreneur, they're a high achiever. You can't, you're never going to have a quality life if you're just reacting to things. Right. You know, everyone, you know, everyone knows they should be more proactive. And so what I do instead of t- touching my phone is I'll just, 
I'll lie in bed and I'll do this quick thought experiment. I've been doing this for years. I'll say, okay, let's say I come home tonight and uh, somebody asks me, my wife asked me like how my day was. I'll say like, it was really good. It was a great day. You know, we crushed it. And then I'll say, what had to happen in order for me to feel that way Mm -hmm. or to say those things? And I'll really narrow it down to three things personally and three things professionally. That's my person. People don't have to follow this story, but to understand the first principle behind it. And they don't have to be big things. Like on my personal list could be just like, you know, you know, taking our baby out or in the dogs for a walk. You know, that could be one of those things. But it forces me to kind of look at my friend Clay Bear has this uh, kind of champagne moment idea where in sports, you know when it's time to celebrate and open up the champagne, but we don't have that usually for our days. Right. Right. And you're never going to get through a list of hundreds of things that you need to do on your to-dos. So what I would think is what helps me to focus, yes, you have a to-do list, but have a not-to-do list. You know, like you, the, well, great. And I mentioned a lot of books because, you know, you read to succeed, you know, so like my, my thing, there's a great book called uh, Good to Great mm-hmm. by Jim Collins. You know, when you say yes to good, make sure you're not saying yes, no to, you know, great. And sometimes we do that. When we say yes to somebody or something, we're saying no to ourselves. You know, so sometimes being limitless is putting borders and boundaries around the things that we treasure, our time, our emotions, yeah. you know, our life. And um, yeah, having a not to-do list is, I think, is as important as knowing what to do is knowing what not to do. That could distract your focus. You know, it's really interesting because the not to do list that you're saying becomes much more important as you get busier and busier in life, right? Because someone like yourself and some of the people listening, you have more opportunities, right? And so well, you, have, you, and you, you and you have opportunity stress, right? So more and more opportunities. Oh, yes. And, you know, saying yes to that, it's like having too many tabs open on your computer and it eventually it crashes or it slows down or it burns out. Totally. That was what I was going to ask you because I feel, and that's the other thing, right? Because you want, when, you waited you waited so long for these opportunities to come to come around and yeah. then when they do you say yes to all of them or things that you would have prayed for like you know years ago 100% yeah. right and so then your the anxiety kicks in like oh my god i can't fear, say fear no fear of missing out fear of missing out yeah. or like so it won't happen again like look at your life right like you were this you know the boy with the broken brain you exceed your own wildest dreams of what your success is. You said you're in 195 countries teaching all these things. You're one of the top speakers in the world. Every company wants to talk to you. Every celebrity you want to you train. You are being pulled in so many directions. How do you stay mentally like focused and astute? And how do you control your situation? Like, because you're just getting you're just getting started. I mean, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, so, yeah, And yeah, now yeah. you have a baby. You said how old is your baby? Uh, just turned nine months. Okay. So like, this is, that's hard. So now you're like, you're in the, like you're feeling my pain. Now you're a parent and you are doing this. Do you like, how do you do it? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, um, so we talked about mindset, you know, that our self beliefs and, and, you know, the, like what we believe is possible and we deserve the other part, the second M and limitless is motivation. And for me, motivation is not something that's abstract. It's very, something very specific. The formula that we share is it's P times E times S3, P times E times S3. So the first thing, let's say, let's take an example of being motivated to exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Great for your brain. And if that's not something people normally do, they need the first P, which is purpose, right? We always talk about like the reasons, like this young lady read 30 books and she had very clear purpose that she felt. Because a lot of people here could write down the reasons why, but it stays up here. But unless they feel it, they're not going to do something about it. So I would say first feel the purpose because, and for me, I, a lot of stuff I do is, you know, for my family 
and for the impact. So I'm always dialed in to who, like right now, who's counting on you to be at your best today, right? You know, for me, that's very motivating, mm-hmm. right? And But for some people, it might not be. So I would say that purpose comes from your values. And so ask yourself, what's most important to you in life? What's most important to you in a relationship? What's most important to you in your career, right? And can, And then stack a hierarchy and really tag that activity towards the things that are most important. And if you can't tag it, maybe what you're doing is not that important, mm. right? And so I would say, uh, first, find purpose. The E in this equation is energy, right? Somebody could have a lot of purpose because they want to make a difference or they want to get in shape, but, but they don't do it because they have no energy. They had a big processed meal, they're in a food coma, so they're not going to read that day or study that day to be an expert, right? They're, they, haven't, they have a newborn, they haven't slept in three, you know, three weeks. Um, <laughs> and so they're not going to be very motivated to exercise, right? or to make that hard call or, right. you know, or go on stage or whatever. So that's why we talk so much about brain energy, like the best brain foods, how to optimize your sleep, manage your stress, all those things. And then finally, you can have limitless purpose and limitless energy. And I do a lot of things to maintain my energy personally, you know, because I'm, I could be on three continents in a week. Like that's very Yeah, unfortunately. Really? Um, And so like, you know, with sleep and jet lag and, you know, time zones and all that, waking up in foreign environments, that's not your own sleep sanctuary kind of thing. But then you could have limitless energy, but then what, you'd still not be motivated because you need S3. And this is something that's not usually addressed. Sometimes people's goals that they're shooting for are too abstract or too big. You know, they want that perfect body, right? Or they want to make that next unicorn or they want to have, you know, 100,000 followers or whatever it happens to be. Sometimes we need S3, small, simple steps. Mm -hmm. Because what will keep people unmotivated and procrastinate is being intimidated by something or being confused, right? And a confused mind doesn't do anything, right? So let's say it happens to be to work out. For somebody, that's a big jump because they don't work out Mm -hmm. regularly. The small, simple step is like putting on your running shoes or making it to the gym. That would be like a small, simple step. Right. You know, your kids aren't flossing their teeth. I did an episode on with a biological dentist recently talking about oral health for brain health. And if your kids aren't doing it, get them to floss one tooth because that's a small, simple step. And they're not going to stop at one tooth, right? Right. Get them to throw one sock in the hamper to clean their room. So little by little, little becomes a lot. And the question everyone wants to write, everyone should write down to find their S3, what is the tiniest action I could take right now that will give me progress towards this goal where I can't fail? And then you find your like your, your S3. So maybe, you know, people seen me with Oprah or Elon or these people, we bonded over books because reading is so important. Somebody has decades of experience like yourself and you put it into a book, which you did, and somebody sit down a few days and read that book, they could download decades into days. That's it. That's the biggest advantage there is, you know, but if people aren't reading every day, because most people don't, maybe, you know, a small, simple step is reading one line, right? And then, you know, inch by inch, it's a cinch, yard by yard, it's it's just way too hard. You're so, so this is how you remember everything. You, you create these like rhythm, like these rhymes. And it's how I remember it, but it's also how everybody, like more importantly, it's how our listeners will remember it. But it works. Like oh, yeah. when I was like listening to like a bunch of the stuff that when, when you were coming on to mm-hmm. the pot, when I knew you were coming on and I was doing my research on you and blah, blah, blah. You did that all the time. Yeah. And it was, it's so clever. Cause it's like, Hey, it does stick in your head. Like readers, leaders, like, you know, what, right. cinch, like, all these things. And it does like it, it does, it does kind of like click your brain into memory now this is the other thing right Mm -hmm. okay that's one thing to read a mill because with this podcast you're i'm sure i think a lot of people who have podcasts if they do the research if they're like good at their job let's say 
they have to read a lot of books, yeah. right? Now it comes down to retention because I can read 50, but I cannot right. 50, but like there's been weeks I've had to read like six books, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But once that person's on my podcast or once I'm finished the book in two days, I don't remember anything. Yeah. Like maybe I'll remember a nugget of information, mm-hmm. but the retention is terrible. Yeah. And, and it's tough. They call it the forgetting curve. It's, it's the, it's similar back in school. Sometimes, you know, we, yeah, don't, we, don't, exactly. we're not, we don't study every day, but we cram it in over a couple of days or all nighters. And then the next morning, nobody could talk to you because you don't want anything to slip out. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and then you can't wait to take the test. And as soon as the test is done, the information disappears. So there's a and difference. By the way, that's how I passed college. I mean, that's how I got my right. MBA and everything. I just, I was had a great memory. Yeah. Memor- and then after it's over, I forgot everything. Yeah. So there's a difference between, they call it the forgetting curve. The forgetting curve states that uh, when somebody hears something or reads something or, you know, uh, sees something once, within two days, 80% of it is gone. So there's a difference between cramming to forget and studying to remember. So there's a lot of strategies people could do to retain more. Because what's the point of reading a book if we're going to not remember it a week from now? Right. One of the things is having better comprehension, right? So the focus. All right. So when people are reading, most people are feeding this incredible supercomputer one word at uh <laughs> time. I can't even talk that slow because I'm from New York, but <laughs> it's one of those things where like, but, but if we spoke that slowly, yeah. what would your listeners do? They would tune out. Right, they would think asleep. they exactly. would fall asleep. They would think about other things, but aren't those the same symptoms of when people experience mostly when they read, they, they start, their mind starts to wander, they fall asleep, everything. And I'll tell you, it's because they're reading too slow. And it's, it's interesting because if I ask most people to read faster, they'll say, I won't understand it. But again, we have a lot of data from people all around the world for three decades. We find that the faster readers actually have better comprehension and retention because they have better focus. Because it's similar to um, driving. If you're driving in this beautiful neighborhood, really kind of like going the speed limit, you could be doing a lot of different things because you're going relatively slow. Right. You could be drinking your coffee and you know checking on things, thinking about dry cleaning, whatever. But if you're racing a car, you're not thinking about the dry cleaning. You're not trying to text anybody, right? right. You're, you're taking hairpin turns at like 180 miles an hour. You're f- completely focused on two things, what's in front of you and the act of driving. Right. And that's people who read faster and better. They're not distracted because they're, 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 if you read too slow, your mind, your right brain, your imaginative brain will try to seek entertainment elsewhere in the form of distraction because mm-hmm. you're not giving, it's starving for like, you know, stimulus. And if you don't give your brain the stimulus it needs, it'll, it'll mind wander somewhere else. And so what I was saying, one of the things that help you understand it better is to read it a little bit faster. Um, and also when you're reading it faster, you have better focus, right? And because you have better focus, you have better comprehension and retention. Mm. The other thing is I teach people to use a visual pacer while they read. And there's, we do a one hour free masterclass on, you could go to my Instagram. There's a link there. And you'll double your reading speed, which is substantial because you will? The, yes, because How, the average <laughs> because the average person has about well processing information about four or five hours a day. You think about all the reports or research or emails or whatever you have to digest. Yeah. But even if you could just double your reading speed, which is very doable for every single person listening, that means you save two hours a day. What's two hours a day over the course of a year? I mean, we, even if you save one hour a day over the course of a year, it's three hundred sixty-five hours. Yeah. It's like many, a month, two months. That's 40, yeah. If it's a 40-hour work week, that's nine weeks, two months. Yeah. Right, two months you get back just saving an hour a day and something ubiquitous like reading. Because reading is a skill. But the last time we upgraded that skill, how old were we 
like six years old. Yeah, we, we never did. A, but like when we were a little kid, you would read with your finger. Yeah, and that's what we encourage people to do. One of the things that we teach is using a visual pacer. That if you use a highlighter, your finger, a pen, like a this. mouse on a computer, yeah, and you're underlining it, right? And you don't actually have to ink it up. But if you're just kind of going right underneath the words, you'll read 50, 25 to 50% faster just immediately. And I don't expect everyone to believe everything I'm saying. So you just take your finger and go like this? Yeah. And so what people could do is grab a book, right? And set a timer on your on your phone for 60 seconds. Mark where you start. Have Read for 60 seconds without your finger. Read how you normally read. When the alarm goes off, put a mark in the margin. Count the number of lines you just read. And then just underline using your finger. You don't have to touch the screen or the page, right? Because there's this friction. But just write you know, a little bit above it and then do it for 60 seconds and count the number of lines, that second one, for the most part, will be about 25-50% lift, right right away, in your speed and your focus. And if your focus is better, your comprehension is probably going to be better also. Does it matter if you're reading honest? Because a lot of people are doing, are doing like, you know, books, um, you know, like... Like Kindles. Like Kindles, yeah, 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 Kindles and yeah, stuff versus it, a real book. No, it'll work perfectly well. The same well. way? Yeah, just don't touch, the, you don't have to touch the screen or swipe or anything, just like right above it. How about taking notes though, like... If I'm taking, that's the problem with audiobooks, by the way. So the funny thing is, years ago, when I think when you wrote Limitless, was it nine, was it 2020 when it first came out? Yes. I was on a road trip, and I I played it in my like the audiobook. Yeah. And it was great. And like I said, when I got this again, I'm like, yeah. I don't remember anything. Like, yeah. Because the audio, I never remember. And that's that. You're not alone. So when people are tested, when they listen to something and they read it, um, reading will actually tell how better comprehension and better retention because usually when people are listening to something yeah. they're doing something else totally that's exactly right it. and they're multitasking yeah. so I, I'm, I still listen in my car to podcasts and audiobooks also but I'm not going to retain as much as if I'm reading because if I'm reading so most people when they listen to this podcast they're working out right or they're cleaning or they're driving or they're doing something so they're not going to get as much as they could if they were just focused completely on listening to it. You know what? I won't ever listen to something while I'm working out because then I do both things terribly. Yeah. I'm not working out as hard and I'm not retaining yeah. anything. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the multitasking because you're switching like your focus back and forth and mm -hmm. it can be exhausting also. Even people when they're working out totally. and you're at the gym, I see people all the time on social media and, and everything else and no judgment, but I'm just saying if, they're not, if people aren't getting the results, it doesn't have to be the gym, but it could be anywhere, then said about the results you don't yeah. get from the work you haven't done. You're so good. Yeah. yeah. I know. Well, you know why? Eric Thomas, you know you know who he is, right? Yeah. He always says that too. And I love it. I, I use that line all the time. It's, it, but it's also so true. We put it in the book and I tweeted about it years, years, years ago. But it's, it's, it's one of the things that sometimes we could complain. And I don't mind, you know, people like not following anything that I'm saying, but it, it's hard when people, I hear people complain about stuff totally. and they're not willing to try something new. In, in Limitless, there's a quote, uh, not mine, from a French philosopher, and he says, life is the letter C between B and D. You know, B is birth, D is death, life C, choice. That we always make these choices all the time. And so, um, you know, we could choose to do hard things or we could choose just to like kind of do, you know, do the easy things. Totally. You know, every single day we're presented with these choices. One, I totally agree with you. Okay, wait a second. What is your morning routine? Because does that, can you train your brain to be disciplined? Or is that? Oh, yeah. Because that's the other thing, right? Because you hear everyone says discipline. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. Yeah. So my morning routine, it, you know, it, it evolves, you know, also with the, you know, the, your, you know, life cycles and everything else and, and also your objectives. 
I mean, everybody has their morning routine, right? Tim Ferriss has his, Oprah has hers, everybody has their thing. For me, my mine is really about getting my brain right. That That's the most important thing. I'm very protective of it. So it, it has evolved. You know, sometimes it's where, you know, I'll wake up and I'll do that ritual I mentioned. You know, how do I make it a great day? Three things personally, three things professionally. Um, I tend to introduce the elements into my life. You know, I, I know that the... Um, in Babylonian times, ancient Greek times, they used to think everything was made of these four elements, air, water, fire, earth. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, you know, how do I get more of those elements into my life? So I'll, I'll wake up and I'll go outside and I will get grounded. I love just kind of walking barefoot in, in the yard because it just gives me a level of stability. And some, some people also suggest the biohackers that there's some kind of, there's a, a wellness benefit also as well. So that's the earth. Right. You know, I'll hydrate you know, first thing in the morning, because you can lose up to a pound of water when you're sleeping through respiration, perspiration, and, you know, being dehydrated, even just 2% will throw off your cognitive performance. And staying hydrated, I had uh, Dr. Lisa Moscone, she's a neuroscientist and a nutritionist on, and she was saying staying hydrated will boost your reaction time, thinking speed upwards of 30%. That's not a small lift, right? So I'll, I'll hydrate, usually with some electrolytes or you know, some kind of structured water, but that's that's water. So I'll get earth, water, I'll get whatever sunlight's uh, first thing in the morning to reset my circadian rhythm, mm-hmm. which is so important for your sleep because uh, your eyes are only part of your brain that's outside of your skull and um, that's helped to reset your, your sleep patterns. And then, so that's fire, the, the sun. Right. And then air, I'll do some, some breathing and it, it varies, you know, whether it's box breathing, Wim Hof breathing, you know, alpha breathing, all these different breathing techniques. But it helps me to kind of get settled before I do anything. And so, and it doesn't take a lot of time, you know, you know, morning routines, I don't think have to take like three hours. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, listen, some of these people who come on this podcast, I'm like, okay, your morning routine is basically, it's five o'clock already. It's five. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> know. like, how are you getting anything else done? It's, yeah. like, it's become like, so like, yeah, it's literally what ridiculous. I, what I said is like 12 minutes of my morning, you know, but then I'm clear and ready, ready to go. You know, and if there's other time to do other things, sometimes I'll even structure my day. I'm experimenting this past year with something different. I'll do uh, three C's every day. Because remember I said, talked about the cognitive switching and how much energy it yep. takes when you go from this to this to this. Totally. Sometimes I'll de- dedicate my workflow around three activities so I don't have to switch. The morning for me is where I'm creative. I don't want input. I don't want to look at my phone. And I'm not. I'm just. I'm. I'm just giving an example yeah, yeah, of how I, I do like it. This, yeah. So I. Everything is. Uh, is I want to output. So in the morning is when I when I write. You know, I write every single day. It's just something. I'll I'll sketch out podcasts. I'll I'll be creative uh, before I input anything. I want to output. And then in the afternoon, I am more consuming. So I go from create to consume. And that's where I'm reading or I'm doing research, uh, which I do a lot, you know, research for podcast guests and, you know, future episodes, my next book, those kind of things. And in the evening, the third C, because I tend to alliterate, so (laughs) I go create, consume, and then I clear. Meaning in the beginning, in the morning, I want to just take things out of my mind, right? I want to be creative. You know, consuming, I'm going to put it in. Right. And then then at night, I want to clear it because I don't want to be in my executive brain at night thinking about stuff. So what will I do? I'll like plan out my day the next, you know, the the night before. Mm -hmm. So that's like taking those ideas out. So I don't have to think about them. Journaling. Right. Any kind of meditation. That would be a form of clearing my mind. So you'll meditate at night. I'll meditate twice a day. And some people say, you know, and only for about 15 minutes a day. I just feel like I'm at a disadvantage if I don't. And this again, this, this works for me. 
I just feel like most people don't take time to put some white space into their schedule. And for me, I've, I've noticed a big lift when I do meditate as opposed to when I don't, because I think you have to disconnect to reconnect, right? Just like, you know, like if a piece of technology is not working really well, what do we do? We just unplug it for a little bit. And then we plug it back in and it tends to reset. I think our brains, our brains aren't meant to go like, you know, full speed for hours and hours. And so that's kind of my pit stop for 15 minutes. So I'll usually do it um, around two o'clock, like when I'm, when you get a little bit of a lull to, you know, kind of regenerate and recoup and recover. And then before I go to bed, I'll introduce the elements also and I'll meditate and I'll do some yoga nidra. You know, I have a little simple mantra because, and I don't meditate to, become enlightened it's it's actually very functional like it's you can't turn your mind off from thinking yeah. you know, just any more than you could turn your heart off from beating right your mind right. thinks just like your right. heart beats but the idea here is at night you know as part of my clearing process you know i want to get again the fire the water the air and the air part is the yoga nidra that helps me to kind of get in that parasympathetic rest and, right. and digest but that that's part of my my clearing part I like that. I've never heard someone say it like that because that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not a meditator. Yeah. I can't. I sit there and I'm like, because of the, but now I have a lot of anxiety around meditation because everyone says you have to meditate. Yeah. So I sit there, I'm like, why can't I do this? It just, it, makes, it brings a lot of rumination and loops. Yeah. And one of the things is, is people have a misconception, again, that they have to just quiet their mind. Yeah. You, you don't. Like, and I, I've interviewed many meditators. I've been doing it for decades and they, they are instructors. Again, that, that chatter is, is, is there. But what I do is I use it as, a, as an exercise of the mind, meaning that when my focus goes somewhere, which invariably will, when right. I bring it back to a breath or I bring it back to a word, I'm exercising my, my focus right. and my mindfulness. And that shows up. I truly believe how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, that, that saying. Yeah. Um, and so that when I'm doing that, it helps me later, you know, the next morning or that when I'm interacting with people, I can bring my focus back when I get distracted by right. something that's going on in the world. Or, or the whiteboard is, I like the way you said that because it's like you're, you're recharging. So you're not just go, go, go 24 yeah. hours. It's, it's forcing you. You're basically scheduling time yeah. to actually like think or just be. Yeah. Or Versus. Because I think one of the most important productivity tools we have is our calendar. And, you know, you'll schedule PTA meetings for the kids or doctor's appointments or, you know, podcast interviews, but we don't always, we don't always schedule like our own self-care. Mm -hmm. We don't usually schedule like our own personal growth, even scheduling the things you learn from here. Like, Okay. So like as a coach, I, I, I have to call people on their stuff. A lot of people are addicted to just listening to stuff and that's great, but our lives aren't changed by just more knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our, our life's changed by applying that knowledge. So I, I have a belief that for every hour you spend listening to a podcast like this, you should dedicate an hour to putting it into practice. That's why I say take notes and then ask yourself, how can I use this? Why must I use this? When am I going to do it? You know, and totally schedule true. it. Yeah. Otherwise, like somebody who reads a book mm -hmm. and even understands it, but if they're not implementing it, they're no better off than someone who's illiterate, right? Totally Functionally in, in their life. So I just feel like um, I want to encourage everybody to just, none of the, uh, the truth is, none of the podcast courses, lectures work unless you work it. That's exactly true. And then, to your point, I think people are just are professional book buyers and they buy the books yeah. and they take the courses and, or they just sit on the shelf and they don't even basically read, they read a little bit or they don't yeah. apply it. If you're not applying anything, it doesn't matter what information, like 
I think what's happened a lot now, everyone has a lot of information, Yeah. too much information, but no yeah. one's doing anything with the information because it's confusing too. Like people are overwhelmed. Yeah. Is there a way we can, you can help us? How do we automate certain things in our lives to free up more brain space? Yeah. I think a lot of people are right. You're right. Cause that, so we talked about digital dementia, which is outsourcing your memory and our memory gets weaker. We talk about digital distraction, you know, with all the rings, pings, dings, making us distracted throughout the day. We can't concentrate. There's also this thing I term digital deluge. And the, the more, the healthcare term is information anxiety. Mm -hmm. There's just too much. It's like taking a sip of water out of a fire hose. Right. And that causes real health effects. You know, that's why we do so much corporate training. Uh, because, you know, the, the, the teams are inundated with information. It creates higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness and rumination, all that. You know, and that's why we teach people how to learn faster. Because if the amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds, it's just getting higher and higher. But how we read it and absorb it and understand it, retain it, it's the same. That growing gap creates that, that stress, mm -hmm. that information overload. And so I would say that some people feel burnt out because they're doing too much. I also think that we feel burnt out not because we do so much. Sometimes we're doing too little of the things that make us come alive, mm -hmm. you know? And so I would do a little spot check with a filtering system in terms of what's really important here. I'm Because I'm always obsessed about the lead, the, you know, the analogy of the lead domino. Like what's the domino that you could hit that could, you know, take care of all these other dominoes, you yeah. know, like, you know, the 80-20 rule. You know, what's the 20% of my efforts that are going to be 80% of the rewards? Because there's always that focal point that's a force multiplier. So I want to get really good at the things that um, that have the return because I don't I don't want to have FOMO. You know, if anything, I, I have a joy of missing out a lot of the times just because <laughs> I like I like my space and right. You know, and just my own sanity. But I would I would say learn how to learn to keep up with the you know all the things that are important to you. We live in the expert economy, right? You know, like right now, you, people might want to be an expert in their field, but that requires us to constantly be updating our knowledge, but also having good skills to read, to remember, to focus. Yeah. I'm super excited to share my latest health obsession with you guys. It's called Metabolic Daily by Pendulum. Metabolic Daily is a powerful multi-strain probiotic that really improves your metabolism, reduces your sugar cravings, breaks down carbs more efficiently, and sustains your energy. I've been taking Metabolic Daily for a few months, and it's unbelievable the results I've seen. Not only do I never struggle with my cravings, but I'm seeing a huge improvement in my body composition from breaking down carbs more effectively. I love Penalin because they are really disrupting the probiotic market with clinically studied strains that aren't available anywhere else. They were founded by PhD scientists and are backed by the Mayo Clinic and Halle Berry, who recently became their chief communications officer because of the results that she's seen. They're the only company with, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's called Acromancia, a next-generation strain that's called the Keystone strain for gut health. You can get it as a single strain or in Metabolic Daily. Plus, you guys can take 20% off your first month of any Pendulum product membership with this code, Jen Cohen. So go now to pendulumlife.com and use my code at checkout. Trust me, you will feel incredible.
Widely acknowledged as the leader in business leadership information, Harvard Business Review provides information, tools, and practical advice on leadership, management, and strategy through the hbr.org website, their print publication, and their podcasts. The site hbr.org is updated with great new business management articles daily and includes key insights to those interested in practical advice for better business management. Some examples of recent articles that I really got a lot from are Organization Change, What's Derailing Your Company's Transformation, and another one called Decision Making and Problem Solving, Leaders Framework for Decision Making. Plus, HBR produces a number of leading business podcasts from HBR on Leadership to HBR IdeaCast. I'm telling you guys, there's such great foundational information if you're trying to get a leg up on anything business. While much of Harvard's Business Reviews content is available for free, after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start only at $10 a month. Go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code HABITS right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter promo code HABITS to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and business. So how about food-wise? Like, what are some yeah. food... I mean, not the ones we always... Blueberry, salmon, mm-hmm. fat, all that. Yeah. Are there, is there anything that you can tell us that are different foods that we can help really boost our brain power, our memory? Yeah. What do you eat? Like, what is, what is, your, daily, what is your daily diet? Yeah, and it, it fluctuates, especially if I'm, if I'm traveling and I'm on the... You know, like, I'm like book tour right now, so I can't, right. you know, easily make... I would always prefer, you know, our family likes to make make our meals. That that's always preferable because I like working with ingredients that I just know what they are. Totally. Sometimes when we're in a restaurant, you know, unless I'm going to like Air One or someplace where I feel like you know they have it dialed in because you don't know like the what seed oils and everything else that they're cooking right. with. Exactly. Oh, hundred percent. Like well, it's, all 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 yeah. of that. And it's again like I'm not I'm not a, a dietitian, nutritionist, or a medical doctor, but I just encourage people to have self-awareness, meaning like when you're eating something, just notice how it feels. So it's not just what we eat. And we know all the, the brain foods, the wild salmon and the sardines and the avocados and the brain berries and all that. Right. But also it's an emphasis on how you're eating it. You know, I, I see so many people at these things kind of gobbling down food really fast or doing it while they're doing work. And you have to get in that parasympathetic rest and digest in order to really assimilate that food. And some people are so stressed with their diet, it, you know, it almost, I would imagine, counteracts, you know, <laughs> so the ben- some of the benefit of what they're eating. So I, I would just remind people, regardless of what it is, and people could search, you know, my name and the best brain foods and show you how to memorize them and all that fun stuff. But it's also, I want to remind you, it's not what, you, not just what you eat, it's, it's how you eat and also who you're eating with. Like a lot of these studies that are done with long, you know, living cultures, they also have a lot of like family meals together because it's a social mm-hmm. connection. And then I think that's understated and, it, and, it's, a, and it's also a, a kind of a, a dying routine in a, in a lot of uh, family units. And if it's not family, because when I, you know, I, I live between New York City and um, L.A. for the past 10 years going back and forth. 
you know, when I came out here, you know, I didn't know anybody. So we'd have the Friendsgivings, right? Mm-hmm. I would host and I would, every city I go to, I tend to host like a gathering. And, you know, we, we have this ritual of putting the phones away or we'll stack the phones in the corner and whoever grabs their phone first has to pay for the, you know, the meal or something like that. <laughs> but even having the phone there creates anxiety, you know, this unconscious anxiety. That's why I don't keep my phone by my nightstand because research has shown even the presence of the phone, even if it's on airplane mode or turn it off, it makes you feel because you're you're so used to doing this all you know like typing right. on it all the time and swiping on it you have the urge to to grab right. it so even if it's off in your sleep you feel it could create anxiety just being there even at the at the dining table also as well you know so we can be distracted or feeling the impulse to doing that and right. again technology is a great tool to use but if the technology is using you then we become the tool and yeah. that, that doesn't even make any, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense to me and so i would say you know this socializing and using this time and having questions, you know, of family members or friends, that's not just, you know, the typical small talk, like how was school today? Good, you know, like that kind of stuff. But it's just like, you know, what did you learn? You know, what did you learn today? What are you proud of, you know, today? Who did you help? You know, like, like questions that go a little bit deeper, but I also, again, you could have that great brain food, everything else, but then you have that social connection because that's so important for the brain, right? Especially living in a world, you know, the people totally loneliness and just not feeling heard or understood and you know especially when you don't have all the time in the world to spend with the people that you care about right so it's it's about going back to the clinton and you know, just being present with them you know and so it's not about the the amount of hours i feel it's more the the quality of the the time that we spend are you able to even train people one on one like your with your schedule now we, i think we've trained um a handful of overlap clients. I'm doing it less and less the past five years just because of leverage. You know, we put, that's why I'm writing these books uh, and I'm especially proud of the new book because I put my latest research there and, you know, it could go out to lots more people. That's why I put my energy into the podcast. You know, we publish, we have the largest academy of accelerated learning in the world online, but that scales, you know, but occasionally I do, you know, we have, we do have a wait list for that. Are you, are you doing a lot of personals? No, 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 no. I don't have, I mean, I don't, I mean, now I, I, I work with a lot of people, like I, I do company advisory stuff and yeah. we do a lot of like high performance stuff, but I, I just, it's hard to, to do hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, growing up labeled, you know, the boy with the broken brain, I, I want to build better, brighter brains and, and really no brain left behind. Like my, my dream right. would be like to positively impact 1 billion brains, but I can't do that on a one-on-one or even classroom setting, you know, so. But don't limit yourself. Maybe. You can, no, but on, 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 <laughs> on scale though, online, on scale, exactly. I, you know, or app, like all this or VR, everything else that's out there, I could reach more people. You know, you put it, you put a, a, a quiz on, I did the quiz yesterday night. It's yeah. Like, it's called, uh, where is it? What did I, what it's, do you guys uh, call it? mybrainanimal.com. My brain animal. Yeah. So I, I realized this is something that, I, so this book, it really is about the fourth M, which is momentum. It has all of the gems from the, the previous book that came out a few years ago. But I realized that post-pandemic AI world and, you know, being a new father, that I, I have a deeper renewed sense of commitment to that people are prepared you know, I think some storms, some things we can only learn in a storm and some storms come because they clear our path. But there's been a lot of storms in our lives the past few years and mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people could relate. But I, going back to the power of choice, I truly believe that these difficult times, they could diminish you or these difficult times can distract you or these difficult times they can develop you. Yeah. Ultimately, we decide. And so the theme of this new book is about momentum. 
you know, once you unlimit your mindset, your motivation, your methods, then you could create this incredible momentum. And then we added all these new chapters on how you could sustain momentum and accelerate momentum. And so everything from nootropics, which, you know, uh, is, is a big, we talk about some of the, the, the supplements that can help you focus and improve your mood. You know, we talk about AI in there, uh, how to use AI to improve your HI, your human intelligence, and uh, different ways can you, you can use it. Can you tell us some? Give us a yeah, tip yeah, how yeah. you use it, because that's another way your brain's getting lazy, I thought. Yeah. AI so, is doing everything. Yeah. So for me, AI is not artificial intelligence as much the way I perceive it is augmented intelligence. Just like any kind of technology, it's meant to support you, right? Yeah. And, and to potentially serve you and, and advise you. And it's not always right, you know, by any stretch, but it could offer a good, you know, it could be a good writing partner, a creative partner, a reading partner, and so on. So um, simple examples, I mean, our, our whole team uses AI in some respects, uh, not solely on it, but so like to learn faster, right? Mm -hmm. Every principle in Limitless can be applied into an AI uh like chat GPT. So if I wanted to, let's say somebody wanted to learn about neuroplasticity, you could put a prompt in there saying, you know, explain neuroplasticity to me as if I'm eight years old, right? And that'll give you a good foundation. Uh, sometimes when I'm doing a podcast and the book doesn't arrive in time, I, I generally don't want to read digital, like, uh, because I don't need another excuse to be on, on a screen right. personally. Um, and I read, you know, the books of our, our guests, because I'm a very fast reader. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sometimes I don't get the book mailed in time or it gets lost. And I'll, I'll go online and I'll, I'll say, you know, into an AI platform, I'll say, you know, provide a, a good uh, book summary, you know, and then I'll, I'll put in even the expert in and say, what are some thoughtful questions that they haven't been asked before specifically for our audience, right? And I'll define that audience and I'll get, and I won't always use everything, but it'll That's spark, so good. it'll spark something that it was just like, wow. Or I'll say, you know, I talk about mind mapping in the book, you know, a very effective whole brain note-taking technique. And I'll say, hey, mind map this subject for me, you know, and it'll, it'll provide, you know, a structure for me to, to, to build notes on or you know, one of the strategies I use is a memory palace, which is taking certain locations that you're very familiar with, like your body or your kitchen or something, and putting the key ideas in those different locations. So you can give a speech without notes or remember facts or something like that. And I'll, I'll say, hey, take this amount, this data that I'm inputting with you and build a memory palace, you know, for it. And I'll still have to do the work. I mean, I think that more than ever, because of AI, it helps to be like, brain literate, right? And and really know how your brain works. Because once you understand how your brain works, you could work your brain. It's the equivalent of being 100%. physically fit. I totally agree. You know, like you don't want just because we have all this great technology that could take us places and do all these things. You don't want to get, you know, you don't want flabby muscles, but you definitely don't want ment mentally flabby muscles. No, but you said something that I wanted you just to kind of elaborate a little bit on that memory palace. Yeah. Right. So like for an example, like keynote speaking, right? You yeah. do a ton of it. You know, I get asked to do them. They're like 45 minutes for an hour. And I like freak out because I'm like, how am I going to memorize all of this without yeah. staring at my notes? Right. Yeah. How would you suggest someone like that? Because I know other people have that same type of like presentation yeah, yeah, when they have yeah. to make presentations. It's one of the biggest fears in the world. Is right. Public speaking. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know, more it's first. I think like death is like number three or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big one. And I think the big fear underlining it is that we're, we aren't going to be able to perform. And it's, it's, and it's self-reinforcing because the more nervous and fearful you are, you're not going to remember because of that. When you're in fight yeah. or flight and cortisol and adrenaline's running out, like it, it literally, what, what it's doing is it's like 
it's like holding your your survivor brain's holding you hostage totally. from your executive functioning, from your prefrontal cortex, from doing all making good decisions and everything, from your memory. Uh, chronic stress has been shown to shrink your brain. So it's yeah. So first, stress uh, does actually chronic stress. Chronic does. stress has been shown to to shrink the human brain. Yeah. Chronic fear, by the way, actually suppresses your immune system. So the whole area of science called psychoneuroimmunology uh, makes you more susceptible to colds, to, to, to flus, to viruses, which is like, and that's challenging because that's when you turn on the television, it's all, you know, all fear-based, right? And so, you know, just like there's an algorithm to social media, whatever you engage with, they show you more of that yeah. thing. So is with your mind. So if you're always looking at what's threatening and what's harmful and uh, what, could, what could hurt us, then you're going to start seeing your, that's your algorithm. So you start seeing that same stuff everywhere, you know, so you have to be very careful to stand guard, uh, you know, at the doors of, of what you're of putting what, into your brain. Yeah. Not just your body, but your, yeah, exactly your brain. So going through it down the street, there's, there's a film studio, a fairly well, famous and large one. And yeah, I would go there on, on a regular helping, uh, their actors speed read scripts, memorize their lines yeah. and be focused on set. Beyond um, just taking their finger and going, la, 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 la. Yeah. I mean, there's simple tips that we could do really short in, you know, in podcast format. But I would include, if people go, uh, if they, I would create jimquick.com forward slash more. Then one of the things is KWIK. There's a, there's a master class on reading. You should take it. I know. I'm yeah, going it's to. It's like, yeah, use, pick any book that you have to read. And, you know, at 60 minutes, I walk you through some of these things, you know, a tutorial and, you know, smart reading strategy. So even if you're not reading it faster, you're speed reading, you're, you're, you're reading it smarter. So you're going to retain more and everything. But going back to remembering scripts, there are lots of different ways that we talk about in the book. One of them is when you're going through a script, it depends if you have to do it verbatim, right? Um, so there's some things that you just want to know key points. Mm -hmm. So I work off of mostly key points because I don't want it to be so scripted, right? But sometimes as a TED talk, you know, they really, when I'm prepping TED speakers, they want to get it almost verbatim yeah, or yeah. Act, actors certainly also as well. Say the, the TED talk verbatim, which is very stressful, but even for yeah. a keynote, like how you don't. Yeah. I mean, for me, the keynote, like I'll give a keynote and I'll just think, hey, these are the 10 points I want to teach. Right. And what I'll do is I'll build a memory palace, which means I'll stand mentally in my mind and that well, everyone could do this with me. Stand into the doorway of your home, not, not the hallway or mud room, but just the first room. And as you look around, you see a lot of stuff. And you're thinking, well, I should have cleaned before <laughs> I did this exercise. Yeah. But what I do is I just go around clockwise in this room. Let's say I'm in the kitchen. I'll go around clockwise and I'll pick five places going clockwise. So in my case, I see the microwave. I see the stovetop. The third place is the refrigerator. The dishwasher is the fourth. And let's say the sink is the fifth, right? And then I'll go into an adjacent room and duplicate that again. And I'll do six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? And then that's the place. So this is a 2,500-year-old memory technique developed uh, in ancient Greece. Orators and poets would use it to memorize things. They realize you will remember things based on where they are. Even when you forget someone's name, you ask yourself, where do I know that person from? Mm -hmm. Because the context will often give you the content, right? And so then the second part is you take what you want to remember and you turn it into a, rem a reminder picture. Because we, th we already talked about you thinking images. So let's say you want to teach people the 10 keys for a limitless brain. And my first one is a good brain diet. So I would put all those brain foods in the first place, which happened to be the microwave, right? And then the second place is a stovetop. And the second key to a limitless brain is killing ants. Killing ants is actually good for your brain. Ants are automatic negative thoughts. 
right? And so I would imagine on my stovetop, I'm roasting ants there. And it's for a split second. I would never do that, but in my mind, it's, it's kind of like, ooh. And then the refrigerator is exercise. So if I wanted the third point I want to remember is to exercise, I open the refrigerator up and then bam, Pilates, CrossFit, whatever is going on whatever inside is, there. Yeah. And then even when I did this, said it out loud, and even people can remember what was in the microwave, the good brain foods, what was on the stovetop, we were killing ants. You know, what's what happens in, in the refrigerator? Oh, people are exercising. So we always so use the, the kitchen? Points. No, I could go into any room in my home. You could go into homes that you've lived in before. You could go into the mall. You could go, you could use your body. You know, up and take people, the, you know, top brain foods and the top of your head. You could have the avocados using it as hair conditioner. You could have blueberries coming out of your nose. Broccoli is a great brain food. You know, vitamin K help with potentially BDNF. You're right in your teeth, right? So it's like you do that and then you go to the store because sometimes people go to the store to buy one thing and they come back with two grocery bags full of things. Yes. Except for that thing that they that's what happens for. to me daily. Yes. Yeah. But it's just, it's a, it, but the, all these exercises, even when they don't work, they work because it gets you to focus, you know, in, in a way. And that focus leads to, to the memory. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. I think, I mean, I feel like. I've asked you a lot of questions and you've been so gracious in giving people such great Thank actionable you. things. Guys, you've got to do the brain test. Cause yes. I, I'm, I'm this, a this, this is a big one. Yeah. Like this is, and people get this gift. It's at mybrainanimal.com. You'll see it's a memory code, C-O-D-E. And it's free. Yes. And the C is the cheetah. Are you a fast acting cheetah? And so yourself, you really thrive in fast paced environments. You quickly adapt. You have strong intuition. The O is a logical owl. And nobody's any one. There's a primary, a secondary. We're all mixed. But mm -hmm. just like, you know, if you're right-handed, it doesn't mean you don't use your left hand. It's just how, that's how you prefer. Exactly. Well, your cognitive type will tell you how you think, how you read, how you focus. And then I give everybody a detailed, literally, you know how there's like personalized medicine or you course, know, nutrition? Yeah, this is like personalized learning. So you get detailed strategies based on your brain animal on how to negotiate and how to hire and how do you read faster and improve your focus based on your animal. The D is uh, is the imagine is the visionary dolphins. These are people who are great problem solvers. They're great pattern recognizers, a very strong imagination. And then finally, the E are the elephants. And these are your collaborators. They love working in teams. They have high empathy and interpersonal skills. And, you know, even if you look at any anything like uh it's in popular culture like if you take harry potter you know i would say harry is 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 your cheetah right you know hermione is is the logical owl if, if you're familiar with this or you could take you know anything you could take billions or whatever thing there's always these characters <laughs> yeah, that are yeah, there yeah, yeah. what are you so for me i'm i'm strong owl and elephant you know I, i'm very just logical i like to do all the research everything and, and but then also elephant high empathy i rated high because i guess struggling as a kid for so long you know, watching everybody else, I could de kind of detect suffering and, you know, and, and, it, and it motivates me to do a lot. And hopefully it makes me a good teacher because I could remember what it feels like to be stressed or fearful or doubtful, you know, and hopefully I, I, I could serve people because of it. No, I, I love your work. And uh, guys, uh, the book is limitless. And now with more information, I can't yeah. even imagine that book with even more. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's dense. And it's really easy to read. It fun, is. fun stories. It's like an owner's manual for your mind, your number one wealth building asset. People could go to limitlessbook.com and there's all these bonuses for us. A thank you. We donate all the proceeds to charity. Uh, you just do? Like, yeah. We, last book, we donated over a million dollars to... Um, build schools. We built schools in Ghana, Guatemala, Kenya, Alzheimer's research for women in memory of my grandmother. Women are twice as likely to experience Alzheimer's than men. Yet most of the research is done on men 
and dream is on men. I don't understand that. Yeah. So we, we you know, we, we, I really, my, you know, I, I subscribe, but you know, you learn to earn to be able to return. This is our way to be giving back. So just know that when you support this book or you gift it to people that you get your education, but children will get their education. You get a better brain by going through this book, but so does research for, for other people who, you know, who really need it. But uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about children and, and the aging population because of my personal experience as a child with my brain injury and then losing, you know, loved ones to, to dementia. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Jim. And Thank you. Can I challenge everyone to do something? Yeah, absolutely. Can uh, I challenge everybody? Remember, the knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It becomes power when we utilize it. I would challenge everyone just to take a screenshot of this, wherever they're consuming this right now, whatever platform, and then tag us both, and then share one thing you're going to do to have your, you know, a better brain. And uh, because you'll tag us, I'll see it and I'll repost, you know, some of my favorites and I'll gift out, you know, a handful of copies to your community just as as a thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. When is this actually available? November 14th. November 14th. Okay. I didn't ask one question. Just say it really quickly. What are the supplements that you take for your brain? So the supplements and nootropics are a little bit different. Supplements, um, I'm looking at the ones that really affect the brain, vitamin D. Yeah. Omega threes, DHAs. Um, I'm a big fan of creatine, like um, not just for exercise, but for for yeah. cognitive health and performance. It's like, yeah, that's that's a must for me. I would say for nootropics. I mean, people test it. You know, again, find something to your own research. Uh, lion's mane uh, is it works well. Bacopa is good. Alpha GPC. There's a lot of things that people could look into. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, you know, caffeine. You know, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but there's definitely a lift, you know, research shows in terms of, of, of focus and uh, cognitive energy, which, which could be good. But there's so many different things. There's so many. We, we, also, list, yeah. we list, we have a comprehensive list about two dozen there. I and then, to get your quick little... Yeah, and, and with all, all of them have human studies and everything. And they're all referenced because, you know, kind of geek out like that. No, I love that. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm so happy yeah, to have you on yeah. here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.